Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today on our show, we've got another amazing guest. He is the owner of Melody Clouds, a search arena genius, and one of the most entertaining entrepreneurs I've met. Welcome to the show, Wayne Altman. How are you doing today? Hey, man, thank you for having me. <clears throat> this is a pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Now, we've met uh, through this men's entrepreneur group that we're both in, uh, Metal Men. And uh, I've been impressed with the things you've done and just how uh, your stories just unfold and get better and better each time I, I listen to you. So <laughs> I am absolutely excited to, to see where this podcast ends up and, and where we take things. Uh, so kind of just walk us through your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, how did you get started and uh, how did you end up where, you, where you're at now uh, owning Melody Clouds? Well, as far as the entrepreneurial part, I, I guess I've always had that when I was a kid, you know, um, be, be living where I did. I grew up in Cut and Shoot, Texas. So okay. it's a very, very small town, about 800 people. Um, you had to find ways to earn money. You know what I mean? You had to, you, you had to work. My, my folks had four kids. There was, they didn't go handing out money for no reason. You know what I mean? Right. So if, if you learn very, very quickly that you, you're on your own, but not on your own, you're part of a family group, but look, man, you want to go see a movie? All right. Who's going to come up with the dough for that? You know? Right. So that part of it, I think was always a part of, of me. Um, and then I was a private in the army. I joined the army um, after cooking school. I went to cooking school and went, I joined the army and they don't pay privates, Dave. They don't pay privates very well. Okay. So you had to find a way if you wanted to, you, they fed you and, and they gave you a little bit of money. But if you wanted to do anything cool whatsoever, man, you had to come up with that money yourself and it, right. and it needed to be fairly legal, you know, so you, <laughs> It, that again, I always found myself hosting a party and the, my brothers in the barracks, you know, attend the party and, and pay the five bucks to get in or pay the 10 bucks to get in. Right. Um, so that, that part of it, I think has always been part of my uh, fascination with life. I, I love um, figuring out ways to solve problems and hopefully uh, rather than cost me money, I hope to make a little bit of money on that. However, you know, it works out. Right. Well, walk us through some of these, these parties you threw for the barracks. Oh man. Yeah. We used to do. Okay. So I was stationed at Fort hood. I, I got the biggest disappointment in my life when I joined the army. Okay. I love being in the army, but I joined the army and at the time it was be all you could be. That, that was the, maybe you remember that. Okay. Absolutely. Be all you could be. All right. So I joined the army and my first duty station, um, I got orders to Alaska. Well, Alaska is one of the few states that I've never been to. And I love to hunt. I love to fish. I, th that was going to be amazing. Yeah. Called my dad from Fort Jackson. I go, hey, guess what? I'm going to Alaska. And he was happy for me, right? Yeah. Two days before I'm to deploy to Alaska or to change duty station to Alaska, I get new orders yeah, and it's course. to Fort Hood, Texas, which is like two hours from home. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was weeping. I'm like, how could you do this to me? Well, I, 
I don't want to go home. I joined the army to get away from home. Right. Go see the world. Like, isn't that one of yes, the... Yes, exactly. Why do you... What are you doing? <laughs> so I go to Fort Hood and I, I hook up with the 8th Engineers and, and it's very true about the brotherhood in the military, in the, yes. in the army, you know? I can speak to the army. Um, because the guys, we're all in the same thing together. Doesn't have to be wartime. It, I'm, I mean, you're just having the same experience together. Yep. Like I said, a private E2, E3, E4 in the army does not make a lot of money. That is not a job you do for the money. So we would go to Belton Lake and I realized pretty quickly that you could rent a houseboat at Belton Lake through the um, armed forces recreational service for a very little bit of money. And then I could go take half of my paycheck, took half my paycheck to go to a liquor store and to buy a keg of beer. Wow. That's one keg of beer. (laughs) So I invested uh, half of my paycheck in the houseboat and a keg of beer. And I bought some red solo cups. Everybody, you know, loves the red solo cup. They know what that means. And um, I would charge people at first it was $5 and then I doubled the price to $10 to get into the party. Well, very quickly, I realized I needed something more than just the beer to get people to show up. I mean, what a guys like they girls, you know? Right. So I, I happened to meet um, some pretty, uh, some very attractive women that also wanted to meet guys in the army and the rest is history, man. It was like magic. <laughs> and we would throw these epic, it, it turned into pay 20 bucks I would barbecue. I had guys that were barbecuing so you could get something to eat. These parties were just epic. And even my commander, my commander was like, dude, I don't know how you're doing it. And, you know, you come rolling in. I bought a car with that money. (laughs) He goes, I "I better not. When he found out what I was doing, he's like, I don't know how you're keeping these guys from fighting one another. There's no problems. Just keep doing what you're doing. So I had totally had his blessing. (laughs) Well, how do you keep a lot of people, men, testosterone filled uh, from (laughs) not fighting over these hobbies? (laughs) The the short answer to that is you don't, number one. So we did. There was some fighting. Everybody, you know, but especially guys, you know this, we need an outlet. We we need some way of letting off some steam, especially you're talking about 19, 20, 21 year old kids. We were just kids. So peer to peer is the best way of doing that. You, you know, you can have a, a chain of command, but the best way of policing that is peer policing. Yes. Everybody is the same. And, and if I'm saying to you, Hey, that's not cool. That carries a lot more weight than if you were to, um, you know, it, it to come from someplace higher up. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> so how long did you stay in the, in the military then did, or the army? So eight and, and a half years. So, so, so this is what's funny. Not so, all at Fort Hood though, correct? No. Oh God, no. Oh God, no. So, so, so at Fort Hood, I was there for um, two years. Two, two years, two summers, two glorious summers in Fort Hood, Texas, okay? And one day I walk in and I got orders to um, Germany. 
Okay. First, first they gave me orders to Korea. So I got orders to Korea. I'm looking at this and I'm like, all right, man, I, I haven't been to Korea. This is going to be awesome. And my Sergeant first class was very disappointed because he thought he made, he made the orders that he handed to me. They were fake. They were totally bogus orders. He wanted to see what my reaction was going to be to going to Korea. He thought he was going to get a different reaction from me because my life at Fort Hood could not have been better. Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new higher level than ever before? Then please check out thehardybrain.ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. Could not have been better. Ah, I gotcha. <laughs> he knew I was living the life of Riley at that uh, Fort Hood, okay? Everybody there knew me. This is a massive post. I was very well known. It, it seriously was a pretty cool time. Right, yeah. But, you know, look, I'm, I, I joined the Army to see the world. We discussed that. You know, I wanted to go and, and figure stuff out. Yep. So Korea seemed like a really cool place for me to figure that out. He hands me the orders. I look at it. I'm excited. He's like, oh, man, I got one more shot at this. So he goes, those aren't real. Takes them away from me again. <laughs> hands me orders to Germany. And man, that was probably the best four, four and a half years of my entire life. Really? Wow. I really enjoyed. I rode the rodeo all over Europe. Um, I was on top of the Berlin Wall the night that it fell. Wow. I mean, we're talking early 90s. Man, again, I cannot thank the Army enough for what it did for me personally. Right. Um, as a person, uh, opening my eyes, I went to the University of Heidelberg um, and the University of Mannheim while I was there. So I got some education, real, real education. Right. I what got an studying? opportunity to say that again. What did you study then? International business. Great. Yeah. I, I was going for an international business degree and um, unfortunately, not not to get political, but we, it was unfortunate for me because we elected Bill Clinton into the, be the president of the United States. <laughs> the first thing he did was draw down the military. He figured right. that the military was too big. He drew down the military. They gave me a $35,000 check to get out of the army. Wow. I was 24 years old. Dude, I took that money like and ran like a scalded dog. I mean, I was out of there, bro. Big mistake overall, but you know, you, you, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Right. So you're kind of left there and you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? I'm like, yeah, I've got this check, but I need to figure out Career-wise, what I'm good well, at. I had an education. I there were holes in my education for sure. Mm -hmm. So I I came home and I tried to go to college in in the states, uh, okay. Sam Houston State University, to be exact. They didn't want to take any of the credits that I had earned. So no, instead right. of going in, instead of going in as a junior at 24, 25 years old, they wanted me to go all the way back and be a freshman 
at 24, 25 years old with a bunch of 18 year old right out of high school, never seen anything. Right. Yeah. Especially someone that had been in the army, had been to war. That's never going to work. Hint that that's just, you know, that is just not what's going to happen. Right. Um, as determined as I was to finish that degree, it just, it was just not, Hey, look, man, I'm human. I'm a human being. Right. Right. So, um, I got out, I went and started a mortgage company, Midway Mortgage. Okay. Um, I used some of the things that I knew about marketing, some of the things that I knew about, you know, look, I never passed a math class in my life. And I just some reason I couldn't learn math the way everybody else learned math. Right. It made my father it just pulled he pulled his hair out. I started a mortgage company. Here's a kid that he used to scream at about his math grades. Okay. And he opens a mortgage company. I mean, who in the world is going to have their mortgage, you know, refinanced by you, you moron, you can't do math, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> um so I, uh, but that's, I Midway Mortgage, we did, I made a lot of money in the mortgage business, but ethically, it's exactly. not, I even hesitate to tell people about that because of what the mortgage business has become. Right. Well, yeah, you had the huge fallout from 2008, everything kind of in that realm. Yeah, which was totally unnecessary. I was in the mortgage business at that time. There are YouTube videos of me telling people, hey, Hey, guess what? This is about to happen. You need to, you know, you need to fix this right away because these idiots are going to ruin this whole business, which is exactly what happened. So that happened. And what happened to you then? I tell you what, I'll tell you a very funny story. Okay. So I worked for a company called World Savings. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But World Savings was a private uh, a company, but they were huge. Okay. And <clears throat> I was a manager for the Corona branch, and they asked me to go to Reno, Nevada to speak to their other managers, like 1,700 other managers from across the U.S. Okay. Well, what I did not know was they were planning to sell themselves to a company called Wachovia. Now, a lot of people will know Wachovia. They were an even bigger, uh, uh, you know, bank. And they had, especially on the East Coast, they were just, they were, they were as ubiquitous as Starbucks. They were everywhere. Okay, yes. So I get up and I give my speech. And basically it's, hey, congratulations, you've crapped on your dinner plate. You know, <laughs> you, you should not be giving these loans out the way you're doing it. Well, needless to say, or maybe it's needless to say, I'll say it anyway, I was fired before I finished my speech, practically. Okay, (laughs) they had made the decision to get rid of me before I had even finished that speech. Matter of fact, I got on a plane all by myself. That's how bad they wanted me away. Because I didn't know that Wachovia was in the room. Oh, wow. (laughs) And if they had taken 10 seconds to have a conversation with me, Wachovia would still exist today. Because when they purchased World Savings, $2.8 billion later, they found out all these loans were bad loans. Wachovia went, they disappeared. They they no longer exist. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I came home, I came home and my wife was like, you know, I, I want to know what happened, but I just, it, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to know what happened. You know? <laughs> it was like, Hey, look, man, I tried to warn them, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. But that's what caused me to write my first book. Okay. My first book was credit 101. It taught uh, how to read, it taught loan officers how to read someone's credit report. Okay. Very important, right? Very important. And I figured that out when I had my own mortgage company and loan officers would bring me these loans, these applications from people that they couldn't buy steam off a hot dog. I mean, this was just, this. these were, this is not a customer. Right. Well, that book this is how good I am business-wise. It cost me $10,000 to publish that book. It, it, okay. I made zero money on my first book. None. Zero money. I mean, literally made no money, which I did not learn a damn thing. And I did um, Mortgage 101 was right. the second book. Okay. Mortgage 101 taught those same loan officers the different types of mortgages. And the reason that I did that was because they kept putting people into the same loan, mm. which that, that that's the worst thing you can do. That's what caused the mortgage crisis. Right. Yeah. So my third you are book, this, this brutally honest person about everything. And you're thinking it's going to help people out, help people out. Yes. Crashes on you. And yes. then you find a way though to start making money from being basically brutally honest and good at what you well, do. It's right? it's an opportunity. I mean, they created an opportunity. The same thing with COVID. We'll, we'll get to what I'm doing now, but you know, right. the same thing with COVID. You know, Absolutely. you you have to think and, and and monitor your situation where it is right now. Yep. You know what I mean? The, your situation is 50-50 your doing and your environment, the things around going on around you. It's it's 50-50 for everyone. Right. Okay. No one is untouched by their environment. Absolutely. Yeah. At the same time, the the 50% you have control of, it's actually your control of about 75%. You're control in control of about 25% of your environment. If you really want to leave somewhere, you can find a way to leave that environment and create a new environment around yourself. But okay. it's tough. So how did you do that and how long did it take you? Well, me personally, like you said, I'm pretty brutally honest. I know when I'm in a bad environment and right. I will hop my butt right out of it. I, I don't I don't torture myself <laughs> like some, I see some people do. Um, but that's, um, I will say this, I live in California yes. and it is not the best environment and there are extenuating circumstances that are keeping me here. Okay. So attention, California, the minute those circumstances go away, so will I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love here, but it's very, very tough to, to, uh, make my brain realize why I'm still here. Right. Some mornings, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, 
Now, during the mortgage crisis, though, were you in California? And uh, I was. I, okay. As a matter of fact, I sold my mortgage company in Texas in order to move to California. And I moved to California when my grandfather passed away and I was helping my grandmother and I was doing stand-up comedy. I would go around, travel, and I figured that if I could make be a stand-up comic in California, then I, I was golden. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I like to think that I'm pretty entertaining, pretty funny, you know, person. Uh, I received a very brutal lesson in some ways about who who's funny and who who's not so funny. And it's not always the, the funniest people I've met, ever met. You would have no idea who they were. Right. You know what I mean? It's not always based on the who's really the funniest person in the room. There's a lot of factors that go into who's a who's a, a popular stand-up, you know, uh, comic. Just like anything else, right. artists, mm -hmm. any other type of art, same singers, whatever. <clears throat> that was a lesson that I had to have practical knowledge of. You know what I mean? It ha I had to be I had to learn it myself. No one could have told me that. Right. So you're doing mortgages and comedy on the side and then hoping the comedy takes off. But so I got invited to a cruise ship. I had, I got invited to be on a cruise ship. Okay. Um, a Royal Caribbean cruise to be the comic on the, on the cruise ship. And I was seriously contemplating the offer. I, I, I was like, man, that ought to be fun. It's an Alaskan cruise. I never got to go to Alaska. I think we talked about that. I, you know, this would be great. And I met my wife. And in order for me to pursue that relationship, um, <clears throat> and um, it would not have been, that would not have been the way to begin that relationship. So right. once again, through caution to the wind, rolled those dice. And, you know, 17, almost 18 years later, uh, my wife and I, we, you know, we're going strong. I don't know that my comedy career would have lasted that long, to be honest. If I'm being brutally honest, yeah, you know, maybe maybe I made the right decision there, you know? Right. Shout out to Tracy, you know? <laughs> and you've got uh, four daughters, correct? Yeah, so three, three daughters, two of them. One of them graduates from college tomorrow. One of them graduates from high school next Thursday and is heading to college. And one, Mo, uh, you know, she's uh, uh, in high school and a volleyball superstar. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I could not have landed in a better spot, man. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, you create the environment around you. I, I did that. that. That's exactly what I did. Now, you're not one of these planet forward type people, um, like for the rest of your life type you're kind of a read and react. Here's this situation. Okay, I'm going off in the army or I'm getting out of the army. I'm going to mortgages. I'm doing comedy. I'm getting married. So you kind of take opportunities as they pop up. Um, am I kind of on the right track there? Kind you 100% are. So let's recap real quick. Okay, so when I got out of high school, I wanted to be a chef. That, that was my dream. That was the dream. I wanted to be a chef. Mm -hmm. I go to cooking school. And I realized very quickly, fat people sweating in my food, screaming at me about how bad it tastes. That was not going to be conducive to me staying out of prison. I was about to kill people doing that to me. 
So I thought, okay, great. I've ruined this opportunity. This is not the opportunity I thought it was. What do I do now? I know what I can do. I can join the army um, and take a minute to figure out what next steps are. Right. But you still right? have people yelling at you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I was in the army, basic training for me was if you've ever seen Gomer Pyle, uh, the, the TV show Gomer Pyle, that was me. That that guy actually existed and it was me. I was so glad to get out of that kitchen that my drill instructors were like, dude, I don't know what kind of hell you came from, but why are you so happy to be here? <laughs> The whole time smiling. I came out of the army, David, I came out of the army bulletproof. You couldn't stab me. If you tried to stab me, you break your knife, man. They transformed me into a machine, man. I love, I look back on that so fondly. It's not even funny. Wow. So I, you're right. I, I made that decision with the, the, the tools that I had, right? mortgage industry. I was forced. I, I did not want to perform the way the mortgage industry was going. And to my my best knowledge still is. Right. I don't want to earn my money that way. Okay. Yeah. Putting people into the wrong um into the wrong instruments, I could never I wouldn't last a day. It would drive me crazy. Right. So yes, I they forced I made a decision to get out before I caused any any problems financially or whatever for myself. And then COVID, I worked for a luggage company as an SEO um, and e-commerce specialist, a director of, of this company. Yes. COVID hits, no one needs luggage because no one was traveling and no one knew when this was going to end, right? When we yeah. went, people were wondering if it would ever end. I helped the owner of that company get a PPP um, so everybody would save their jobs. And the next day he laid everyone in the place off. Wow. Yep. Kept the money and laid everybody in the building off. hundred people lost their job. Wow. <clears throat> so I made a decision. Look, I will never, if I can help it, I will never rely on someone else for the, the lion's share of my income again. I started golf tech. I started um, just a number. I just replicated the same uh, e-commerce, you know, drop shipping business. I just did it over and over and over again. It gets to a certain level, bang, it's time for another one. And in a different industry or a different, you know, like, so I have everything from um, Melody Clouds, which is a music service to a survival store, to a bedding store, to a pet store. All of these things, once they get to a certain level, I just recreate in another line of work, a, another one. And, and that's what I'm doing now. Wow. So how have you discovered or built these skills in the SEO and, uh, and in the e-commerce side of things then? So it, what fascinated me was <clears throat> when I wrote the book, When Bad Credit Happens to Good People. Okay. I did that myself. It cost, I made ton of money on that book <clears throat> and it cost me nothing to publish. I vanity published it. I put it on the KDP program with Amazon. It started to sell a little bit, but I wasn't happy with how it was selling. So mm -hmm. I put it, put it with, made a website, 
<clears throat> and I did SEO, search engine optimization. I would uh, uh, capture the keywords that people were looking for and they and that would direct them to my book. And I priced my book in a way, all of these things have to line up. I priced my book in a way that people feel stupid not buying that book. <laughs> And if they want to, since it's digital, I, I have a printed version of the book, but since I offer it to you digitally, you can share it with your friends with my approval. Okay. So I'm okay. like, Hey, David, why don't you share this with 10 of your closest family members? Right. Because inside the book, there were things that you could purchase to help you improve your credit. Oh, okay. Right. So everyone needs letters if they're going to dispute something. Everyone needs tools in order to, um, you know, go to their creditors and extend their line of credit. All of these things cost a couple bucks, nothing really. But in volume, you end up making a S ton of money. OK, you, you don't have to charge people way that's what I see now. I see people charging people way too much money and they hesitate. And if they hesitate, you've lost. Right. Exactly. With everything that I do, I try to price things at a point where you can't get the money out of your wallet fast enough to hand it to me. <laughs> that to me is the secret. And if it doesn't work out, there's way less of a chance you being upset about it. It's easy for me to return that money to you if it's something that I feel like, okay, you know what, you've got a point. Or may, most of the time, not even the, the people that try and return things to me, I don't even argue. Right. But the volume, this world is 7 billion people, my friend. Exactly. So with Melody Clouds, Melody Clouds is $5.99 a month. That's it. Okay. Wow. Right. But think about this. Other other sites are $25, $30. Netflix. God, Netflix is over $20 now. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> and but what are you offering with Melody Clouds that is so special here? 18,000 audiobooks. It's in 210 languages. Wow. 18,000 audiobooks. There's 8,000 hours of binaural beats. We could talk about binaural beats. I mean, there's a, your, most of your audience is probably familiar with binaural beats by now. Yeah. Um, lullabies. Our friend Gary Meyer, who's also a metal member, he's reading all of Aesop's fables in okay. his voice, man. Okay. You that talk about a that's right there is worth $5.99. The guy's in the Hall of Fame, the Radio Hall of Fame. Yes. So he's reading these stories for kids, lullabies that are cut in five to 10 hour um, uh, increments so you can put your baby down. The first, you may know this, the first skill we learn as a human being is the how to self-soothe, how to get ourselves back to sleep, okay? It's something we do, every single one of us do every night and we don't even think about it. Yeah. But that's the first skill you learn as a little baby human. Our lullabies are cut in a way that it helps develop that skill way quicker than if you were just to listen to something white noise, random, beach noise, whatever. Right. Now, how did you figure that one out? So <clears throat> trial and error, number one, and number two, 
the I had one lullaby that was way longer than the others that I had put up there. Okay. And I got a letter from someone in, um, I want to say Panama. I think it was Panama. I got a letter from a woman in Panama who told me this is genius. She pointed out to me that I'm a genius. Okay. Which, you know, that was great. But she said, look, this thing, this uh, lullaby is so long that my baby goes right back to sleep. And I, you know what? That makes perfect sense to me. As long as they're warm and dry and in the same place that they were when they went to sleep, they're listening to the same music that they heard when they went to sleep. That has a very good soothing. That's why you put a lullaby on to begin with is to right. soothe your child. Exactly. Okay. So I just put those pieces together and went, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. We'll make all of these lullabies longer than your normal, you know, uh, your normal piece of music. I mean, five hours, five, each one of these things are cut in five hours. Nobody's suggesting that this kid is going to listen to the entire five hours. That That's ridiculous. Right. Well, not consciously. Right. Oh, right. And when they wake up, they realize, oh, crap, I'm right back. I, okay. We're, everything's good, you know, yeah. and go, they go right back to sleep. Um, and I get a lot of, and I realize that it's, um, uh, incidental evidence, you know, it's, it's, it, but people contact me every single day and tell me what their experience is with this, right, whether exactly. it's the binaural beats or whether it's, you know, the lullabies. And yeah, for $5 a month, why would you go out and do a huge random control trial when you've got all these people giving you feedback anyways? Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, I mean, you you price things where people feel dumb not trying it. Right, exactly. Yeah. You, you 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 know, look, man. Um, people have forgotten. We're, we're not. We don't have the best economy. I don't need to get rich off of any one person. That that really, I, I the the idea of that is offensive to me anyway. But. Well, let's do a little bit of math, okay? So at five ninety nine, ten thousand subscribers—that's fifty thousand bucks, sixty thousand bucks a month, right? Okay, that in of, of itself is—I mean, I don't know anybody that's going to turn down that kind of bread, okay? Exactly. I don't know, but get that to a hundred thousand subscribers. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about serious money, and everybody gets to enjoy it. That's really what I'm about. That's really what this, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do. Now, you also found success with uh, music and different sounds, therapies, um, helping yourself out. Uh, didn't that lead how it you started. down this path as well? Yeah, that's how it started. I had a friend of mine. I have a, a tinnitus, tinnitus, pe right. people call it, ringing in the ear. It, mine is like a really, right now, ringing, very bad ringing and whooshing noise in my ear. I've had it for 30 years, going back to being in the military, right. listening yeah. to explosions and gunfire and, you know, not protecting my hearing. So just, just, a, 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 you know, tell your audience, guard your hearing jealously. Yes. Okay. 
do, do not think that this can't happen to you because I've got a lot of customers that um, they listened to concert, went to concerts when they were young. They, they treated their hearing uh, very poorly. But anyway, I had a friend of mine say, hey, have you ever heard of binaural beats? Okay. And I confessed, had no idea what you're talking about. So he played three pieces of music to me. First one, nothing. Right. And it was woo-woo. You, you know what I'm talking about? It was this, you know, like real woo-woo, you know, and I'm like, man, that is not me. Okay. Cut and shoot Texas. Remember, I played the second one. It was less woo-woo, but still it didn't do anything really for me. Right. Third piece of music that he played, still a little woo-woo, but <laughs> I heard silence, dude. I heard crickets. Sure. I mean, it was like to to the point. I'm like, what the hell did you just do to me? Right. Because I it was noticeable. It was like a slap in the face, really. And he goes, dude, we found it. We, this is. And so he we went on an explanation and I did a lot more research. Um, you know how this what the theory is behind this. OK, right. I say theory. I mean, look, we we know what is we know what we know so far, right? Um, and so that led me to collect over eight thousand hours of binaural beats, and we can literally block grief. And the everyone knows the power of music. Absolutely, every single movie has a soundtrack to it for a reason. Yes. You ever think that even silent movies weren't silent? <laughs> there was nothing silent about a silent movie, right? And when I say that to people, they go, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. That's oh, Yeah. Well, that's music. The first security system man ever created was beating on drums to let the tribe next door know that they were not to be messed with. Right, exactly. <laughs> that was an early warning. Okay. Hey, we're over here beating on these drums. Tomorrow it could be you if you come any closer. <laughs> so, music has been a part of, we have used it to change our mood. And Melody Clouds, we say, take charge of your mood. Right. If you're sad and you don't want to be sad, listen to this. If you want to focus, one of the things I said to another one of our friends, Cheyenne, I said, listen, uh, the zone is an actual place. Yes. And you can take yourself to the zone, right? You, you, you know, they always talk about, oh, he was in the zone. She was in the zone. Yeah. Well, that's an actual place. And you can help yourself get there if that's what you want. If you need to um, have more focus, then there are music, there are tracks that you can play that will actually bring yourself into a deep concentration. Yes. Yeah, it is fascinating. Now, is this one of the things that you just got enthralled with? And it's like, well, I want to be an expert at this, so I'm going to write another book. <laughs> I went deep, okay? The, the, the rabbit hole on this is extremely deep, my friend. I mean, so yes, and, and my wife, man, she <laughs> wants to pull her hair out because I'm constantly trying new things, really what what melody clouds is to me is more relaxation 
Right. Because I know what I get, how I get when it becomes something else. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I will go so deep on a subject that I really do want to become that expert. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we're adding next month, we are adding 8,000 episodes of old time radio. Okay. Because when I was a kid, we had TV. I don't want to make it seem like we didn't, but I became very fascinated by old time radio commercials and t and and uh, radio shows, wait episodic radio programs. Okay, yes. and I found a place. That I got you know all the Whistler, the Shadow, Gildersleeve. I mean, all of these really rich, great. Um, uh, episodes of, of radio back when you had to use your imagination um, to fill in the blanks, to picture right. where these people were doing this mystery or whatever, you know, it wasn't just, just said to you. I think you just nailed it. Their imagination it's missing now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Everything is just handed to you. Right. And now we're even talking about farming out our imaginations to AI Right. You know, we're just going to let AI, artificial intelligence will handle all the imagination stuff. That is a very bad road, in my humble opinion, a very bad road to go down. But, you know, you do you. Exactly. <laughs> so with all these things you're doing right now, how would people find more information about yourself, uh, your products, your companies, your books? Where do they find all that? So um, in order to contact me, the simplest way is Wayne Altman at Melody Clouds. Okay. That, that is, you know, very simple for people to, for, to, to do. Um, MelodyClouds.com, that's the website if you're interested in binaural beats, solfeggio frequencies. Um, the, then there's also links. Everything I do is linked <laughs> linked together in some way, right? So um, you'll find links to some of the other things that I'm doing um, it, on Melody Clouds. Um, I have a tendency to kind of marry things, figure out ways I can marry one thing to another. Um, nice. So it, yeah, it's 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 pretty easy. If you want to find me, I'm pretty easy to I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> Perfect. All right. For our listeners, definitely check out Melody Clouds, uh, probably the largest resource for the best value you'll find. And stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care. <laughs>